What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Uh, acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Again, that is bwhustle.com dot com slash join check out the description box for this episode to find more but that is bwhustle.com slash join chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to a thursday night edition of the full ride on the chase thomas podcast I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am, every single week by my good friend down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I'm um, glad to be back. How are you doing this lovely evening? I'm good. What, did, you have, uh, did you have good weather today in uh, Atlanta? Yeah, weather's, weather's solid. It's uh, hot when the sun's up and gets cold when the sun goes down, basically. Yeah, this uh, is great when it's in the middle of the afternoon, though. For sure, but it does drive me batshit crazy because we have to change the air in the house because it gets cold. Like, I woke up frozen a couple days ago, Matt. Like, frozen. I was like, why am I shivering and seeing my breath in my room right now? I stay frozen, man. I just, I feel like I just keep it in the 60s or so just the whole winter. Like, we hardly used any heat like we're just in long sleeves like the whole the whole winter okay well then you would love my house because i feel like when i'm sleeping i gotta be cold i can still oh, for sure yes sweating. i had to be like fan on like middle of winter always are you a tv on in the background person or, or do you like complete got silence to. got to it's got to be something that like i know though yes because if you if it's if it's too interesting like i'm trying to look at the tv and like you know, see what's happening. So I like Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. and like Parks and Rec. That was like my go-to, like falling asleep. 
TV. Like if I have like Children's Hospital on, it's like there's too much crazy shit happening. <laughs> I need to see. I need to see what they're talking about. I uh, yeah, I tried it with stand-up specials and that didn't work. Um, like some that I'd seen a lot, and I was just like, maybe this will work. But no, the go-to that I do every night, and the girlfriend and I, like, thankfully, are on the same page here, where um, Arrested Development is just the go-to because I've seen it at mm-hmm. least a billion times. That's that, like, classic. Yeah, like it puts me to sleep now within like ten minutes. I'm out. Like you put Arrested Development on, and it's just gonna. That's, it's a, like that's a show I need to watch again for sure. It's great. It's great. Bob's Burgers is a sneaky good pick too because it's just. Um, it's good and it's light and um the one that so, i did this summer was impractical first, jokers and that show like i hate like I, I we were talking before we got started like hate watching like i hate that show with a passion. <laughs> like it's a dumb show it's do like you one of the, hate it or yes. do you hate or you want to hate it no 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 i hate it so it's not i funny. want to hate it like i want to be like that show's terrible but then if that show is on for like five minutes you'll watch funny. the whole episode you will like it's, it's funny because <laughs> those guys are like hold on they me, like, look, kind of tour or something where they're doing like stand-up or like mm-hmm. on stage it's like no stay in your lane guys like it's not what the people want <laughs> like i'm touring and stuff camera, who's going camera, to watch them show. do the the broadways type stuff that they do like i don't understand that at all like who's going yeah, to- i don't know who's going to see these guys on tour like no disrespect to the to their hustle but i just uh i don't know that no, doesn't I just, seem like that's not why we're watching well let me pose this question to you matt green have you have you ever found yourself audibly laugh while watching that show? Absolutely. Oh, okay. And you're like, maybe you're probably cringing more than you're laughing sometimes. Like, oh, it's brutal. Some of the punishments, like, I don't know what it was. It was like a poetry reading or something. And the dude's phone just kept going off. And he just <laughs> had to like sit there. This whole, this whole crowd is like, I was, I was in pain like sitting there with this guy like it was just it was oh knock my mic knock my mic off yeah but it was it was brutal have you ever written poetry to a girl matt uh, i can't say that i have no no poems no, what's the not, not my style what what is your style matt <laughs> i knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> uh you know that's it's it's a lifetime ago you know who knows i can't even remember the single life you're such a liar you are such a liar no, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My my style is You're turning kinda, red. I don't kinda, I can't see you right now and I know you're turning red about this. This is great. I am, man. I for sure. But uh you kind of got to be a dick to start with, you know, push the buttons uh-huh. and then be nice. Then show them that you're like, "Oh, I'm actually not a dick. I'm actually a cool. I'm actually a nice person." You know, but you got you to gotta be a dick to get their attention to start with, you know. I'm not sure you know exactly when to turn the dick thing off. <laughs> wow i got a jab in there i'm sorry wow matt no tell the you know, listeners you know how you thing. really you know that's your stick say that one more time your stick oh my stick okay yeah um yeah i think but it's also just different i think there's just part of part of it is just you get older man I, i've mellowed out in my old age matt i feel you i don't, I don't know. know how people date in in the 20 in the 2020s man like just on instagram and 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 everything like the social media kind of because even obviously we got together like five years ago but like neither one of us is big into like the whole social media snapchat instagram and stuff Mm -hmm. like like that makes dating like so much more difficult like every girl has so many options (laughs) like it's ridiculous 
That is true. That is true. Um, our options are limited, especially when you're just like, I, yeah, no, the, I, I, you and I are not bringing a bunch to the table, Matt. Like we, we can tell <laughs> girls about uh, Kansas hey, State you football. Speak for yourself, sir. No, I think we're on the same page here, Matt. You and I, we we're North Georgia alumni. We love sports. We we watch the same kind of movies. We're pretty easygoing. We like uh, dogs. I don't know. It's just there. I'm not I'm not muscling anybody over up at the bar or anything. I, you know, I'm not not big time anybody. Uh, you know, showing out at the club or anything. Showing out at the. When was the last <laughs> time you were in a club, Matt? Oh, who knows? I have no idea to be honest. Years. Were you? Did you ever attend club opera? No, what, I don't even know what that is. Downtown Atlanta. Club That's in Atlanta. Yeah. No, I've never been. There. Hmm. Have you been to a club in Atlanta? I've been to a strip club, but I don't know Which if one did I, you go to. I don't know if I've ever actually been to like a club club like dancing. Like I've been to bars. I don't know if I've been to like a club. Hmm. Ever in my life, to be honest, other than like Panama City, like Club Lavina. Were you a Club La Vila person? I definitely went there one time. <laughs> the phone party? On spring break. Uh, but the, no, that's not that's not my scene. No, no. Can you imagine like... I don't know how to hear each other. I don't know. It's not my scene. No, that's something I think about too is like those places like Panama City now where like I know people who go to Panama City in their older years for vacation and i'm just like what are you doing why would you go there outside of the 18 to or even like the There's 17 so many to places that, that have beach and water like just don't that's such that's the exact that's the high school place to go yeah you don't that that's not I, I don't understand it like i don't understand the vacation there i'll never go back like i'm good never going back to panama city like it's not on my radar ever again um, although if i go to, if i'm going to look uh, beach vacation and i see the price difference i'm like oh shit you know panama city's like your bed <laughs> I guess that's true, and they do have pineapple willies, and we can't discount pineapple willies, Matt. Um, Beach club in, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as you can tell, folks, it is Corey the Smith. Diehards know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is the off season, so we we will tend to get off topic on these Thursday shows because you know we're uh, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel sometimes when it comes to content because spring practice is just getting started. The coaching carousel has wrapped up. Um, we're just kind of in a dull period recruiting kind of, kind of quiet right now outside of Sark trying to make some moves, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the one recruiting nugget coming out of my state of Tennessee, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, don't forget folks, you can listen to this show by going to chase podcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes. You can uh, subscribe on Apple spotify um or wherever you get your podcast and become a patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase thomas writer to support the writing uh matt there's some news that it just sucks like i don't even really want to talk about this but i feel like we have to at least talk about it a little bit because it's just bad and i don't know what's going to happen we're recording this late on a thursday um things could change by the time uh you folks are listening to this uh, Friday morning, but uh, Les Miles, a report resurfaced about 2013. Um, just just not good. A lot of bad stuff here, if, if true. Some serious allegations um, dating back to his time at LSU. I, I think he has to be removed from Kansas like yesterday. I, I don't know how 
you survive this if you're less miles this is just bad and gross and creepy and weird and i don't know man like i this is all bad and it uh it's just i don't know what else to say other than this if true is a shame yeah man it's uh it's pretty crazy it's uh <laughs> it seems like in the the world we live in, it seems like we're hearing about this, you know, every every few months is another big time person that's done some some shady some shady behavior in their past. But um, you know, I don't want to rush to judgment. Uh, I don't, I, you know, and we haven't we haven't heard everything. But so if if what we're hearing is true, it's it's not a good look for for less miles. And yeah, I don't in twenty twenty one. Like I don't know how you really. You can keep him around as as the as the face of your football program. It's just weird, man. Like he's accused of texting female students, taking them to his condo alone, making them feel uncomfortable, and according to this report from USA Today, on at least one occasion, kissing a student. Like what he was bar? Like what? What? I just there are so many things here where you're like, what are you thinking? What? goes through these people's minds where i'm like why would you ever think any of this is okay like how did he never think crossing the line here yeah probably shouldn't do this but it just never registered uh, allegedly yeah man i I, uh it's it's a crazy story i um i i don't i don't have much to add to it i don't know man that's just weird um on lighter notes caden martin son of t martin former Tennessee legendary national champion quarterback, um, also very recent head coach or associate head coach who moved on to the Baltimore Ravens as their wide receiver coach after a tumultuous end to his coaching tenure at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. Um, his son, Caden Mark, Caden Martin, uh, committed to the University of Miami to play football and baseball. Four star quarterback, Caden Martin. So not going to the Vols. Yeah, it seems like uh, just about every everyone who's got the balls in their final group kind of leaves them hanging these days. Recently, well, at least. Caden's not a surprise. Gonna go ahead and tell you, like after what happened with his dad, not not at all surprised that Caden uh, did not pick Tennessee to continue his academic career. I I will say that. Seriously, and I imagine he he, he grew up a Tennessee fan. Like T. Martin is a uh, is big time right around those parts. Um, he said, uh, quote, new Tennessee football staff never contacted me. So that's probably not good in terms of the recruiting uh, aspect of Caden Martin. But, uh, yeah, not uh, not going to be a vol like his father. Um, Matt, any other news items that you want to get to before we talk some uh, group of five? Well, there's the other uh, the big time quarterback. I think that was almost a week ago now. Um, Ty Simpson at a Tennessee. Right who chose Alabama is kind of what we were alluding to there. But yeah, that was a, a, another big time commit. Where did the Collins Hill kid end up? He committed this week too. Uh, yeah. He committed to Missouri. That's right. Sam yeah. Horn. Sam Horn. Rocket number 21. Can we, can we, can we help this guy out? Come on. I just, I see pictures of this guy in high school. Rocket number 21. Like you're the quarterback, man. Come on. Fix what? this. Hold on. Peyton Ramsey made that a legendary football number, quarterback number. I don't know if you saw him at Northwestern this fall. Lighten it up up there. Is he rocking 21? Yeah. Isn't Peyton Ramsey And I think of Heath Schuler, right, back in the day for Tennessee. What, did he rock 20? 
I'm 99% right. sure. Okay, so he was 12 at Northwestern, but he was 21 at Indiana. That's what it is. Okay. And, yeah, I guess Flutie was 22. It's just like, ah. I think Stetson Bennett was a was a 20 number. But, like, the first time around at Georgia, I think he was, like, 22 or something like that. And then he came back and he got a respectable quarterback number. But, yeah, Sam Horn, fix that. You got to be rocking 20 numbers as a quarterback. I don't hate it. Did you not like um, who was the Michigan quarterback? Devin Gardner, who was ninety-eight one year. Oh, that was the worst! <laughs> oh, that was the worst thing ever. I was so mad every time I saw that. I forgot about that. It was some kind of legend thing. Like he's rocking like some, some legendary player number ninety-eight or something, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. That was terrible. Like that's like the only. You know, I'm a I'm a stickler for all these uniforms and everything. Yep. Like I. I don't think I'm too big of a stickler with the numbers, but it's like big fat guy rocking single digits. Like that, I don't like that. You know, if you're if you're gonna be a D lineman rocking single digit, you gotta be a playmaker. And then a quarterback, you can't rock anything. You can't rock twenty and up. Like that's that's like the only rules I have. Come on now, it's not too difficult. All right, you get Jason Witten rocking number one. That's one of the worst numbers too. That was a terrible. It just never fit. Big Cat Bryant wearing number one was always weird. Yeah, see, I don't like that. I mean, I'm I'm honestly kind of like, I'm torn on all the duplicate numbers in general. Mm. Like, I love seeing tight players rocking cool numbers. You know what I mean? So it's like that's that's cool that you got all the good offenses and all the good defense players rocking two numbers. But it's like you got guys, you know, changing jerseys on the sideline so they can play special teams and a different number. It's like. If it's a, if it's a, if there's even a possibility that you're gonna play special teams or you're gonna play offense, like just rock a different number. Like it's just it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous how there's just a like I think on Georgia's roster there's a duplicate like number one to nineteen or something. It's it's kind of insane. Well, I think part of that. Um, I wonder when we get to the point because there's gonna be a tipping point where these schools and even pro teams have to like unretire numbers. Because so many numbers are gobbled up and they just are way too uh, liberal when it comes to... Yeah, I think the Bears had an issue with that. Like, they like just stopped retiring numbers altogether or something. Because it's like all of their 50 numbers were taken by like 1980 or something like that. Yeah, because it's, it's silly. Retiring numbers is one of the silliest things we do in sports, I think. Like, it's a big peppy of mine. I would ban it, it as the sports are, Matt Green. I mm, would, I would that's ban an interesting retiring take. sports numbers. Yeah, because it's like we've talked about it, you know, as as a Georgia fan, they have like a handful retired. And like David Pollock is one. Mm. It's like if we're, if we're retiring numbers, how is David Pollock's number not retired? You know what I mean? But I think the last person they retired was Herschel. So I almost wonder if it's just like, uh, we're not going to retire anybody's number anymore. Because you're right. It is kind of a it's kind of a weird tradition in general. Like you're so good as number twenty one. No one should ever wear number twenty one again. Like I don't I don't really understand it. But I've never really thought about it until you just said it. It's just silly. Like I <laughs> it's silly, like statues with living athletes is also very silly. Like what are we what are we doing there? Um I think that's really strange. But um yeah, I, I don't know. Let's get rid of retiring numbers. It's silly and not fair to the, the young kids. Like, why are they, like, not allowed to wear this number just because someone else? Like, what what are we doing? It's so arbitrary. It's not. Yeah, it's, 
it's it's an interesting point and it's like it needs to be go through like a committee or something you know because like i think everyone agree like no one for the bullshit where rock number 23 again you know it's like you just shouldn't do it but you know the utah jazz they're like well our 23 is carl malone or obviously 32. 32 but i'm saying like that that was their guy so and everyone's like well yeah obviously it was great but we don't we don't care if anyone else rocks 32 for the jazz he's not really that important to like everyone else but you know, everyone's got their own thing. So I think the Braves. I'm blaming the Braves for not retiring Andrew Jones' number, man. They gotta, they gotta get that. No, they I got to, Jones. man. Andrew's no. a Hall of Famer. They're basically retire every Hall of Famer. He's jersey. not gonna make the Hall of Fame. Oh man, he's got to. He's not. We get. Oh, I could do a whole podcast for Andrew <laughs> Jones. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's like the greatest defensive center fielder of all time, and he had like 400 home runs. Get out of here. AJ's, AJ25, that's my guy. That's like my number one all-time favorite player. That's like my that's my childhood right there. You know, basically like from six years old to like, 15, like 17 years old, he was on the Braves. Look, I love Andrew. Uh, big Andrew Jones guy. Um, I'm actually looking at my chipper Jones authentic away 95 World Series jersey behind me at the moment. But um, a little humble brag. I see yeah, you. Yeah. A little humble brag. I, you know how I am with my shtick, <laughs> as you pointed out. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't think so. I, I could be wrong, but I, I have my doubts that he ever get ten. Um, Matt Green, are you ready to talk about uh, Stuart Mandel of the Athletic, the editor in chief of the Athletic College Football section? Very good writer. Read him for years. He has a really good piece on the Friend top five. Pod. Say it again. Say friend of the pod. I don't know if he's a friend of the pod because you have to on the podcast. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say it. You sound cool when you say it. I mean, you I get him on the pod. I I could, I could. I'm I, I'm sure I could, but I have not. Well, if you uh, get him on, you probably wouldn't have any use for me. So, no, Stu, no. love you, but he's got more expertise than I do. We'll see. What we could do is we could partner up where you're on the pod, and we can both ask him questions, and uh, it could be uh, it could be a trio, it could be a tag team effort. Hey. Nagetois. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, um, he has a mailbag that he does every week. And there was a really interesting one that he had come out that you can check out on theathletic.com from the February 24th edition. Um, he wrote about um, a person who asked him about uh, the TV deals uh, being negotiated in a few years and if this could lead to another round of conference realignment and um, getting it to 70. So it would require five more members to get into the Power Five there. Um, and he asked him who are the top five schools most likely to make the leap. And his five contenders were Cincinnati, Boise, and this is how he ranked them. One Cincinnati, two Boise, three UCF, four BYU, five San Diego State. Um, I think all these are interesting. Um, I think San Diego State is a pipe dream, although his rationale was fascinating. I didn't realize that um, the school's academic reputation was right there with uh, Oregon State at number 143 versus 153, and it's actually better than Washington State at 176. Um, But they're a good team. San Diego State's got a really good program, and Utah made the jump not that long ago. It feels like a long time ago, but it was not that long ago that Utah was not a Pac-12 school. Um, Matt, of these five, do you agree with these rankings? Um, I think I agree with the rankings. The only thing about Cincinnati is 
like just thinking in terms of kind of logistically is the big 10 has 14 teams already. So I feel like if we're going to expand, you know, you're going to add two more to the pac 12, probably two more to the big 12. It's just like, then we get every conference at 14 teams kind of thing. And then, you know, maybe if, if you're getting one more in there, Cincinnati, definitely they feel like a power five school. Like I know what he means by that. But Boise State seems like the most obvious because Boise State and BYU, honestly, I feel like I kind of think should be one and two because the Pac-12 kind of seems like they need the most help. You know what I mean? So, you know, they could kind of expand further. And, you know, San Diego State, that was a, a team that I kind of – that's that was more under the radar. That was like a good call by him. They could – especially with the academic prestige they have that I also was not aware of. It's like the Pac-12 seems like the league that needs the most help, so that's why I feel like I would kind of put all of them ahead of Cincinnati. Or unless you you think Cincinnati, I guess, could join the Big 12, I guess we don't even care about geography anymore. Well, I mean, West Virginia's in the Big 12. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess UCF makes a lot of sense too. I guess would they join the Big 12? Like that would just be that would be wild. So. I think San, uh, I think Cincinnati makes sense as number one, but I think they're a Big Ten team. Like Luke Fickle is a Big Ten guy. They play like a Big Ten school. They don't play. They like definitely a Big are Big Ten, right in Big Ten country for sure. I just I guess it depends on it. Well, no, here's what you do, Matt. You kick out Nebraska. Nebraska. I was just more- yes, I was just thinking right before you said that. That's a great call. Nebraska doesn't want to be in the Big Ten anyway. Yeah, no, it, well, they do. They make more money in the Big Ten than they do in the Big 12. That's the reason Nebraska's in the Big Ten. They make a lot more money in the Big Ten. Fair. Um, that, that's important. But they don't feel like a Big Ten school. They never have. They never will. They'll never feel like it makes sense. It will never make sense that Nebraska's in the Big Ten to me. That that feels more outlandish to me than Rutgers. Like, Rutgers, I'm like... Except for, except for when they're playing Iowa and Wisconsin. When they're playing Iowa and Wisconsin, I'm like, yeah, Nebraska should be playing Iowa and Wisconsin every year. But everyone else, I'm like, Nebraska and Ohio State? Like, what? This doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, that's how you do it. Like, you kick some schools out like you don't have to like just keep adding to the 10 so i think i kick out west virginia the big 12 like i moved to the acc west virginia feels like an acc school to me and then yeah they would fit more in the acc but if you're if you're doing another realignment like notre dame's obviously going to join one of these right no they're never joining any they're never going to join one i mean they're basically in the acc already and they had a year of being in the acc now in football but I don't know. It's it's interesting. I also I threw three more in there that I felt like could also be part of the discussion. You know, depending on. Well, the only way to get Notre Dame in to speak to that before we get into that is have a requirement that you can't get into the playoff without uh, being in a conference. Like if they make that's that true. a rule, then Notre Dame will oblige. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And then I think the last three I feel like that you could consider. I have Memphis, SMU, and Fresno State. No Houston. See, that's what we're leaving out. Houston's a top Houston. ten basketball program. They're number six right now in Ken Palm. They're twenty and three. They already have the history. Like, I think Houston's I, like the sleeping giant. Houston's a huge city. It's a growing city. Houston football. Like Dana Holgerson left West Virginia for Houston. Like they have money. They have donors. They have history. Like Houston to me, I don't know how they didn't make this list. They didn't make your sleeper list. Like, what are we doing about Houston? Houston Houston's a good call. I overlooked Houston, but SMU, I guess I kind of thought of their history more. 
Well, think about like Baylor just being. They kind of had those traditional rivalries with all those teams at that time, um, in like the '80s and everything when SMU was so good. So, and Fresno State seems exactly like San Diego State to me. Maybe they don't have. I don't know if they have the academic prestige of San Diego State, but they they're like on that same level of, you know, they're a group of five, but there's consistently NFL players come from those schools. Like you see a, you see a first round pick from San Diego state or Fresno state. It doesn't really surprise you. Like they're, uh, they're kind of that same level, but yeah, I, uh, Cincinnati definitely feels like a big 10 team though. That's and B- you haven't really said anything about BYU. That's your squad. BYU's tough. Um, because BYU could, you could sell me on the PAC 12. You could sell me on the big 12. Like BYU feels like they could go either way there. I go back and forth on that. Mm, Where do you think they fit more? Well, geographically, the Pac-12 seems like the obvious one. And then you kind of have, they already have like their in-state rival in that conference. Like that that definitely seems like the most logical one. Other than the fact of kind of the Pac-12 like culture, you know, they're kind of those, those liberal kind of. Yeah, you know, noted liberal Mormon faith. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know I'm how being they would feel about Mac the Mormon Green. school coming in. Okay. So, so I, I wonder. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I. It's kind of odd because BYU also a school that has prestige. Like they've won national titles. They've had Heisman Trophy winners. Like this is a good program. I think Boise and Stuart Mandel makes a very good point here about Boise, which is the Pac-12 needs juice in the television ratings. You know, people stay up for. Boise you know people will stay up for on the east coast Boise versus USC every fall they'll stay up for that like you need Boise is an addition because people know the brand and they'll tune in and it's a reason for people to watch Pac-12 games late at night no one wants to watch Oregon State Arizona State at 11 what they want to what they would want to watch is Boise versus Washington at 11 that that there could be some truth to that i think first of all to speaking to the boise listeners of this pod i know they get real upset when you call them boise mm-hmm. you know they're boise state they get real upset about that so yeah i've, I've heard i heard go get real upset about that correct me call them boise state but um i think what the problem with boise state is it like it doesn't offer any tv market and that's what everyone wants every time they get expansion you know like they get Rutgers and get that New York city TV market. You know, that's seems to be like the, the driving force behind all of these expansions. And with Boise state, it's like, well, you get that, that Idaho market. I don't, I don't know if that's really doing anything for these, for these major conferences, but in terms, and you know, it's going to be a move for just football. Like, and so I think that's football is by far the biggest college sport, but I think that's another hesitation that, maybe some of these, the big 12 or the PAC 12 has about Boise state is if we're doing this, we're doing this only for football. And I feel like in the PAC 12's perspective, like they need to do something for football because that's the conference is kind of losing a lot of luster every single year. Like every year they go without a, a college football playoff team. It's just another year that more and more people forget about the PAC 12. Yeah, I mean, they really, really need Oregon to have a big year this year. Oregon or USC. But USC recruiting well again this year was big. But also, like, losing. Like, here's where Pac-12 comes back, is uh, they stopped losing their home state. Like, California's been raided by Clemson and Alabama. Like, the number, the quarterbacks who will be under center for Clemson and Alabama this fall both come from the state of California. And Georgia. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's bad. And you look at, um, I mean, yeah, with Georgia with JT Daniels, um, best running back on Georgia's team is also from California. But that's a huge thing. Like that is a huge, huge problem with the Pac-12 that like we have not really gotten into yet. Is that like they have to do something about? It. They have to stop the bleeding of their best players, like Malik Murphy. Guess what? California on its way to Texas. Like you have to stop the bleeding there. Like that's gonna be part of it too. Yeah, definitely. I um, it's it's an interesting thought because I kind of I kind of think the expansion kind of kind of hurt a lot of things. I think there was a lot of things that like for one, I think it kind of watered down SEC East team schedule, and I think in general it, it kind of watered down just the SEC and just kind of how you would have in a in a four year period with the old before expansion, you would play every single team in the SEC twice. Like that was an incredible rotation now georgia played alabama at home what was that 2015 and then they play them on the road in 2020 like and then we play out go to tuscaloosa or then they'll come back in athens in like 2025 or something like that it's it's it doesn't even feel like you're in the same conference as a, some team that if, if you're not playing them in the conference championship and you're not regularly playing them in the rotation like I think I joked uh, last uh, a couple years ago that like yeah people tell me Texas A&M is in the same conference as Georgia but like I've I've, I've yet to see it they went like nine years in the conference without playing each other so it, it doesn't it I think that a lot of expansion kind of hurt a lot of the aspects of like the traditional college football rivalries and everything like that so I I kind of I wonder if it, it'd be better to just get another conference instead of just adding a couple of these teams to the power, like the American conference, like we said this year, like it, it was a better conference in the PAC 12. Like, and I, I feel like I, I don't even know if that's that hot of a take to say that. And so I think if you just, you kind of brought all of these teams into one conference and then maybe, maybe took a couple teams from some of the, from, maybe took one or two teams from the sec or big 10 or big 12. And you kind of created this American conference I wonder if that would be the the best overall solution, because, and then and then tie in automatic uh, bids for conference championships and things like that. Because this having 14, 16 team super conferences, it just it kind of it kind of throws everything off. You know what it did? The, selfishly, the worst part of all the conference expansion was it ruined Big East basketball. Big East basketball was like the best conference tournament ever. Yeah. Like it always started like a day or two before all the other ones because it was so huge. And oh man, they had the buy and the double buy. Like oh man, that the Big East tournament used to be just the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, are you ready to get into our main event, Matt Green? Oh yeah, man, let's do it. So you and I. We, we spend way too much time thinking about college football, Matt Kareem. But one of the things that I can speak to for myself is that I think about the quarterback situation. Because if you look at, and this is something that I think is going to be interesting when we get into our season previews in a couple months for different teams and different conferences around the country, um, is that if you look at who the playoff teams were this year and who just missed out, the Kellen Mons. Okay, so you think about it. Trevor Lawrence, how long was he in school, Matt? How long was he under center? For the Clemson Tigers, Trevor Lawrence. Yes, Are you talking about his whole career. How long was he at Clemson? Uh, three years. Mm-hmm. How long was Mac Jones at Alabama? 
He's there, I think, four years, but played three years, right? Yeah. How long was uh, Ian Book at Notre Dame? <laughs> He's been there for nine years, mm-hmm. hasn't he? Basically, <laughs> basically. Justin Fields, how long? He and, uh, he and Hunter Renfro are in the same recruiting class. <laughs> exactly. Um, my point here is Kyle Trask also just mixing the playoff, being at Florida for years. Um, young quarterbacks are not winning. The NFL, it's better to get young. It's better to have the roster set and you just put in a cheap quarterback that's coming straight from college as a superstar and you try and win now like you try and win in that window you do the seahawks thing with russell wilson and college football it looks like it's going the opposite way where the teams with the the uncertainty or the youth at qb are the ones who are struggling the most or like we shouldn't consider like jj mccarthy who we'll get into might be the savior at michigan but it doesn't matter like these the teams that win are the teams with guys like Oklahoma took a step back this year. Spencer Rattler was pretty solid down the stretch, and he's probably like a top-five quarterback down the stretch if you look at his numbers, and he'll be good. He'll be probably a playoff quarterback in the next year or two. However, it's better to have a Jake Browning than it is a Spencer Rattler if you're trying to make a playoff run that one particular year. Like, you need the... So what is... Hold on, hold on. So what's the distinction you're making? What is a Jake Browning and what is a Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler, the freshman, versus Jake Browning, the fifth-year senior, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I got you now. So you want Oklahoma. We're doing that over and over again. Remember, the Jalen Hurts, the Kyler Murrays, the transfers. Like, they were staying competitive in the playoff because they were uh, just dominating the portal and getting these guys... Um, to come in, step in, and keep the momentum going and keep them as playoff teams. Derek King moving to Miami. He thought he could immediately jump in there and jumpstart that thing. Bo Nix struggling for years now at Auburn. Um, started as a true freshman, five-star. Spencer Rattler struggled to start this year. Um, Iowa State had a great year. Guess what? Purdy, been there a while. Um, if you go up and down the list of the teams that are really, really good and that are really contending in college football, you need a guy who's... A veteran like you need someone who's been in the program for years you need someone who understands the system you need someone who has been in a lot of big games like this is going to be a reason for optimism for george and jt daniels now that it's year three for him um and year two for him in the system and you want that uh you want that continuity you want guys who've been in the program for a while and you want guys who just aren't 18 19 years old because it's just too hard to get through the big power five um, grind if you don't have the experience. So when you look at these schools that we're pulling from uh, the QB battles to watch for from 247 Sports, great website that you should go subscribe to, the CJ Strouds, who was a five-star. You got JJ McCarthy, five-star. You got Ty Thompson at Oregon, who looks like he's going to be great. He, I'm not sure if he's a four or five, but he's a number 39 overall prospect. He's the top Ducks quarterback recruit since Marcus Mariota. No small shoes to fill there. Uh, Haynes King, Four-star, they like him a lot. Um, LSU, Miles Brennan's been there for a while. But you have the young guys, Max Johnson, and Max Johnson played really well down the stretch last year for LSU. They go with him, that changes their trajectory. Um, Texas, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. Hudson Card's new. Casey Thompson's been around. Really good in the Alamo Bowl. We'll get into all these. But what I'm saying is if you're a program, or you're a fan of any of these programs, you have to adjust your expectations for the season and what you can actually accomplish, it seems like, just based on what year your quarterback is in their uh, in their timeline, right? I See, I wonder if it's the complete opposite, that I feel like you've just seen so many transfers have immediate impact that now you kind of 
you, you think you're striking gold every time you get a transfer or something like that that comes in, you know? So Well, those are older. Like, what I'm saying is those are older. They're not 19-year-old transfers. It's not oh, like... Term- yeah. No, and that's true. Like, Mackenzie it's- Milton making the jump to Florida State um, is different than, like... Um, who could we throw in here? Uh, Jacob Eason transferring to Washington. You see what I'm saying? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Um, yeah, I guess I can see that. That I feel like Jacob Eason seemed like one of the more proven young transfers, but I I know the point you're making. I'm I'm thinking more. He was a graduate transfer. He was someone. No, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, and in this, you're gonna see so many teams that their the fate is just hanging in the balance of hopefully the guy that comes in and wins this job is good enough to take us where we want to go and. You know, Joe Burrow year one was was a dec- was a solid quarterback, and then year two, you know, he turned into the maybe the greatest quarterback we've ever seen in college football. Right. So, you know, it's just you got to wonder what the expectations are. You know, I think I think Jalen Hurts was basically a game manager. Obviously, he made a lot of plays with his legs uh, in his first couple of years at Alabama, but he goes to Oklahoma, and you know, I I, I don't think anyone expected him to really have the the passing numbers that he had while he was there so yeah i think uh this is a crazy uh time we're living in basically just the it's just the wild west of, of quarterback battles absolutely um cj stroud jack miller kyle mccord uh ohio state will have these three going at it kyle mccord and cj stroud obviously being the two five stars that will be going at it um cj stroud uh usurped jack miller as the backup last year um, all the makings of a superstar, Kyle McCord, same thing. Uh, what are you interested in most about this battle? Well, I feel like we're just used to Ohio State having like a, a dual threat quarterback, right? Like Dwayne Haskins, like that's probably the one like real pocket passer they've had in probably like a decade, right? Like going back to Braxton Miller, like it seemed like the whole time Urban Meyer was there. That's he just CJ Stroud kind of fits that template, and you know he's obviously been there, so he's gonna. He, I feel like he should have a leg up on Kyle McCord, but you know Kyle McCord, those the the twenty four seven sports player comparisons aren't everything. I kind of wonder exactly how they judge him sometimes. If it's like he's this is his upside, or this is just kind of who he plays like. But his uh, Kyle McCord's player comparison is Matthew Stafford, and you know I'm a big Stafford guy. That's my guy. But um, I think that probably just means this guy has a, a rocket arm and, you know, maybe moderate mobility. So if this guy, you know, can make all the throws, you know, he could definitely challenge C.J. Stroud. But I would imagine Stroud's got to have the leg up going into the spring. I think so, too. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see what McCord can do because he is – they're the same kind of quarterbacks. And uh, I just – I think Ryan Day is going to look at this year as a transitional year because they're losing a lot of talent. Um, and you know, I, I think they are going to expect some growing pains and they're not uh, competing for a national title this year. I think they're competing for a national title next year. So 
we we shall see on that front um ty thompson and anthony brown is gonna be very interesting i don't think we need to throw butterfield or ashford in here they're long shots and they're just like depth pieces but thompson was handpicked by joe moorhead former mississippi state head coach who is now the oc at oregon um anthony brown the transfer from boston college um ty thompson has all the makings of a superstar but uh it should be interesting to see if oregon and mario cristobal hands the keys over to this young kid um in 2021 he will be a true freshman or he sticks with the the veteran and anthony brown what what do you think yeah this is another one of those situations is you kind of you gotta feel like anthony brown's got the inside track um just because he's been there been in college how many years you know he's four years for five years so i would think he's got to have the inside track but you know ty thompson i think the, we're in an era where so many guys are are leaving i feel like if you're not necessarily in a national championship or bust year kind of thing you're almost better off doing like what oklahoma did like you said obviously oklahoma had national championship expectations coming to the year but just given the freshman the job and just let him take his lumps. And by the end of the year, maybe going into next year, you're ready to make a run at it again. And that, that might be the best, you know, the best strategy and just get Ty Thompson in there. Not saying you just play him if he's not the better player, but I, um, I'm really curious to see that, uh, you know, cause this guy is a super highly touted prospect. So I, um, yeah, I really wonder who's going to win this job. Yeah. I'm excited. Cause I think, Oregon's close and Anthony Brown probably is has a higher ceiling in uh just 2021 but uh, if you want to get Ty Thompson some reps but you have to kind of sacrifice the season like Anthony Brown could maybe get in the playoff Ty Thompson means he's gonna have some bad true freshman games and lose a clunker to like Utah or something and you're not gonna be in the playoff again so it will be interesting to see if they go with the youth movement there speaking of the youth movement Texas A&M will be replacing their lead signal caller and i think all-time wins leader uh kellen mond um finally who feels like he's been in college station forever um haynes king speaking of before you get to this did you see that you see chris sims yes nfl draft qb list hey i'm a chris sims guy i his podcast is great and that dude does not care he just sticks with his gut man i like chris sims but you saw the list right yes i did kellen mond ahead of justin fields hey man I ah, uh, that's that's a hot take. Maybe he, I think he just wants us to be talking about him right now. I don't know if he really believes that, but whatever he's doing at work, because we're talking about him right now. I I don't hate it. Like he he's doing what he believes. Like he's a Mac Jones guy, and he was pretty low on Tua last year. I seem to recall. Like he was not a Tua guy at all. And that's interesting. He's he thinks I think he thinks that Mac Jones is better than Tua. So, um, I don't know. I think it's uh it's fascinating, and you know. We're ne- it's never it never works out like this like who had josh allen ended up being where he is and then lamar jackson was like the year before and it's just it's so hard man like josh rosen was like the best prospect since like andrew luck and we see this all like it's just hard it is patrick mahomes is the third one drafted right yes he's the, maybe the greatest quarterback ever who knows what he's gonna be right like mitch trubisky and deshaun watson were both taken in front of him so to be fair the mitch trubisky thing was so like I feel like that was a not even a hindsight move. That was like a at the time you're like, what? Why you're going to quarterback? Why aren't you taking Deshaun Watson? Like I feel like everyone everyone thought Deshaun Watson should be the first quarterback taken. It's fair. That's fair. But who knows? 
Um, Haynes King, though, I talked to Texan and Beat Writer about this on Tuesday. Um, there, uh, it looks like it's going to be Haynes King. They didn't get involved in the transfer portal. They didn't go up to the McKenzie Mellons, the Allen Bowmans. They're going to stay in state here. Um, King's a dual threat guy. He was a Texas high school football legend. Um, I don't know. They are. They lost a bunch of pieces in the offensive line. They return a lot on uh, the secondary. Uh, they return some Isaiah Spiller, who had a breakout year at running back for them. Uh, Texas A&M's got a very favorable schedule, and there are expectations that just missing on the playoff last year that Texas A&M should be right there. They get Bama and Auburn at home, um, but this this kid he's walking into a very very difficult uh, win now situation. I think in College Station. Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's it kind of feels like the the Peyton Manning to T Martin almost mm-hmm. like just the the legendary player. Obviously, I'm not saying Kelamont's as good as Peyton Manning, but I think they're one A one B in college. <laughs> but it's like he's the four year guy that that got him that that got kind of them into the conversation of national title contention and everything. But Haynes King, I wonder, you know, he's a dual threat guy, and and Texas A&M, you know, they have all the pieces, and like you said, a, a favorable schedule. So. The, the expectations are not getting lower in College Station. That's for sure, especially with Alabama losing everything they, they lost. Like, obviously, you know, no Texas A&M fan is going to tell you that they're better than Alabama. But at some point, you know, you gave Jimbo all that money. You want to see you want to see them take that next step. And so I wonder if uh, if Haynes King is the guy that can get him there. It's... But you think he's definitely the guy, though. You don't even you don't see Zach Calzada. No, based on what um, the guy who's pretty, who's a lot more plugged in than myself suggested, it seems like it's Haynes' job to lose, barring injury, that uh, he's the guy. Zach Calzada, a linear high school guy. Was he? Yeah, Buford, Buford, Buford guy, Sugar Hill in the house. Interesting. See, this is this is what we need on this podcast. No, who else would know that off the top of their head? Got um, to man. Uh, Got to wrap what I county whenever I can. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, as a Parvy guy, I'm looking at my Camden County helmet here as we speak, right next to me as we're recording. Shout out to high school football in the state of Georgia, the great state of Georgia. Um, I get the GHSA back on the pod. Wait, we will, we will back in the. <laughs> we, we will have it back. Um, Miles Brennan, Max Johnson, TJ Finley. LSU had a really weird season, uh, very up and down. All kinds of staff changes under Eddie Drum. Dude, this is another situation where it's like. The stakes cannot be higher. Like Ordron's gone if this bombs this year, right? Like this is this is it. Like his seat could not get hotter. Like that's why you make these humongous changes and bring in all of Joe Brady's assistants from Carolina. Um they swung big on defensive coordinator hires and they kind of settled. So I'm kind of concerned about what they're gonna do there. But offensively, Miles Brennan was good. They are averaging thirty eight point seven points per game when Brennan was under center. Uh, before he got injured with his abdomen, but Max Johnson, son of I believe Brad Johnson, Super Bowl quarterback, and also his mom, Mark Rips, Mark Rick's uh, sister, I seem to recall. Up there. Yeah, I think he's he's Oconee County, right? Yes, uh, Max Johnson, lefty, southpaw. Um, very very much in on him. He looked really really good. He also was the quarterback who upset Florida and ended Florida's national championship hopes. Um, See. That's what makes it interesting to me is because this is the most interesting battle in my in my eyes because all of these guys kind of have a something that kind of puts them in the conversation. Like none of them have any more experience really on one another. Like Miles Brennan was, you know, I guess from namesake, like 
supposed to be the guy coming in last year, so maybe you kind of just and, and he did he threw it all around uh, in those in the few games he did play. So he kind of feels like the favorite, but Max Johnson kind of feels like the intangible favorite. Like he closed the season out the the bowl game and the win to Florida against Florida kind of you know got the got the energy back into LSU football and everything. So it kind of feels like he's got a shot to win the the job and then. T.J. Finley looked even good for a game or two, and then looked really bad for a game or two. So this is the most intriguing uh, battle in my eyes, and especially because if LSU, you know, if one of these guys is good, like they could be in the SEC championship for all we know. Like LSU, they could be right back there. So, um, and like you said, Ed Orgeron's fate at LSU is basically hanging in the balance of getting this getting this decision right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so fascinated to see how this works and they get a full spring to get, to go at it. I, I have no idea which way this will go. Um, but who's another, your prediction? I'm going to predict Miles Brennan. One. I would, I would also say Miles Brennan. Um, but he's going to have a tight leash. It would be my guess. Um, Alan Bowman versus JJ McCarthy versus Cade McNamara at a revitalized Michigan who really, have turned a lot of pieces over on both sides of the ball. Um, McCarthy is the the heir apparent, but uh, Michigan had a really bad year this past year. Going with the true freshman savior right away seems like a bad proposition and potentially um, hurting their confidence if things start awry. Kane McNamara got some time last year, but he's clearly not the guy. He's just more of a placeholder. Bowman, if he can stay healthy, is an intriguing piece but he's played like six games in two years so i i don't know about that um okay he's played 11 in two years so averaging basically six games a year um i don't know man that bowman transfer came out of nowhere texas tech quarterback of the last several years very good when he's healthy but uh health is just a been a problem and he's kind of a weird fit for the rpo style that they run because he's a big dude so i I don't know how that will work with josh gaddis's offense and scheme but what do you what intrigues you about the michigan quarterback situation uh i feel like it's got to be jj mccarthy right like see i don't think so i would be shocked if he wins this job really i just feel like Cade mcnamara is honestly this feels like i try not to bring everything back to georgia football but it feels like grayson lambert and jacob easton like yeah maybe the the freshman isn't ready but we know this other guy isn't the guy like i just i was not impressed at all with Cade mcnamara last last year and you know it's just the it's the guy who's got the higher ceiling and michigan like what what are the expectations for michigan in 2021 like if you start a true freshman quarterback go eight and four like what's anyone gonna say like are they gonna fire jim harbaugh for that like i don't really think so like i think that if they go eight and four with a true freshman quarterback they're, they're probably kind of excited for 2022 i just i don't, I don't see anything out of coming from kate mcnamara you think alan bowman can do can give him something yeah, I um, I I think they'll just go with the veteran out of the gate, and if JJ, if someone gets hurt, because Bowman's gonna get hurt. I, I'm not wishing for it, but it seems like that's just part of the deal with Alan Bowman. I'm gonna guess Bowman wins the job in the spring because I just think he, if he's he's healthy, will be the most for farthest along. Um, but I don't know. I I'm gonna go with Bowman, but Cade McNamara will go in second. I really think they're gonna protect McCarthy. 
Like that dude is the highest recruit they've had since uh, Jim Harbaugh landed Andrew Luck back at Stanford. Like I think they're going to be extremely cautious with him. Bowman definitely feels like the guy who's going to start game one. I um I wouldn't be surprised if JJ McCarthy is the starter second half of the season. Okay. Okay. Um, kind of reminds me of Mac Jones and Bryce Young. Um, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, last one here, and we'll wrap up. Um, he played really well down the stretch. Um, and no, you want you want to get into your to your balls, man? No, no interest. We're skipping the balls. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. You know what we could do? We could break this up because I think this is like this might be a two parter. Let's break this up. Let's do this last one, and then we can do uh, Utah. Stanford, Florida State, Tennessee, and South Carolina, and Northwestern next. How about that? Let's split them up. Yeah, because there's some good ones. I had, yeah. uh, I had a few things to say about some of those. Okay, so, yeah, we'll split we it up. We'll split it up. So this is the last one we'll do this week. Texas, Casey Thompson, and Hudson Card. Um, these names are amazing, Hudson Card and just these, these quarterback names. But um, Card was a former top 60 recruit. He has the higher ceiling. Um. I don't know. Casey Thompson seems like the guy, but this one I'm going to go with the young guy. I'm going to say Casey Thompson's a depth piece, and they and Hudson Card beats him out um, in spring for uh, Sark's new new program. Hudson Card's the guy, man. No, no doubt in my mind. He just I feel like he feels like the next Texas quarterback. Like they get another dual threat dude in there. Guy lives lives and bleeds Texas. Like I feel like. Sam Ellinger 2.0, just get him in there. Yeah, no, I think Card. I think he's got like 40 pounds or something on uh, on Hudson Card. I don't think he's built like Sam Ellinger. No, I mean Casey Thompson's also low key jacked too. I don't know if you saw him in that game, but um, he's pretty built. That dude uh, is pretty jacked. Have you seen the Gun Show from Casey Thompson? I'm not sure. I'm aware of the Gun Show. All right, Google image Casey Thompson and just uh. Look at uh, the guns. That dude is jacked. Don't I need to turn my safe search on? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I guess, yeah, he's got pretty big arms. I mean, he's D1 athlete. He's a big guy. I don't know. Pretty pretty jacked to me, more so than you would think, um, for a quarterback at least. Um, uh, this one picture, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. He's, he's a big guy. All right. Well, that's all I've got for this episode, Matt Green. Um, we we did our hour. We the power hour, if you will. Um, is there anything you would like to plug before we wrap up here? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, thought it was an excellent hour. Can't wait to get back to it next week. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the time, my friend. For that guy down there in Decula, Georgia. For myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got. More episodes tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, every day. We do Stay it. grinding, man. Stay grinding on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Specifically oh, the full ride on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So back next Thursday as we will uh, the entirety of this offseason. Talk to you guys soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.